Hello. Welcome to Lights Carry Action. I'm Carrie Morrison and I'm here to give you brief reviews so you don't have to do any research. I am more than aware that this episode is a couple of days late and I apologise on that behalf. If I was being completely honest with you, I was having a bit of a rough mental health period and I basically didn't want to push myself to watch a film that I wasn't really in the mood in because I feel like one that's not really good to not let your mind recover from you know bad mental health problems but also it means it will probably taint my reviews of said films which will probably end up being inaccurate you know, the last thing I want is to watch a film I hated and then five years later I watch it again. And I'm like, oh, I was in a bad mood that day. So and that's not helpful for you. Like, not at all. So this week's episode is about drinking and, and alcohol dependency. And I know that's a very sensitive topic for some people. And it does cover some very triggering things that if you don't like that um, watching that sort of stuff or it might set some bad thoughts in your mind, I recommend not watch these films. I think the common thing around all of them is that none of them romanticise it, which, you know, good to hear. Uh, but the first episode we're looking at, obviously, is related to drinking, and they just want to stay consistently drunk. So the first film we're looking at this week is Another Round, also known as Druck. It is Danish, written and directed by Thomas Vinterberg. They've worked with the main star of the film, Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, they've worked together before for The Hunt, um, Far From The Madding Crowd. Thomas Vinterberg has worked on as well. So Another Round is set in Denmark. Mads Mikkelsen plays a history teacher who is lacking self-confidence and his life has become a little bit boring. And him and his friends are out to dinner and they decide to start testing out the theory that folks assigned male at birth have an alcohol inefficiency of 0.05%. And their aim is to stay on that percentage for the entire day, apart from after 8pm and on weekends. In my opinion, these drinking films or films that talk about alcoholism, what I find a problem with is that they get very predictable and they get really depressing. And you have to be in a very specific mood to watch those kind of films. And it had those moments, but I think what I was really surprised by and what I really liked about it was that it was just really honest. It didn't over-dramatise anything, like the positives or the negatives. You saw from the outside what the problem was but you also saw the inner psychology of why the characters were doing what they were doing and you were basically watching it to see how it all unfolds i mean the story is a little bit predictable but i was still invested in the characters anyway because the opening sequence demonstrated such a strong bond between the the four actors and i should say those actors so mads mickelson as i already said playing martin thomas bo larson as tommy lars ranth as peter and Mad 
Magnus Malang as Nicolaj. They were all absolutely great. And I think the way they interacted with the students as well, it didn't feel too patronizing or they or they felt like really disjointed. I mean, at the beginning, it kind of is. It's setting the dissonance between teachers and students and how students have just become really disinterested in education nowadays. But over the course of the film, you realize it's not because the students hate the adults or whatever it's just because the adults have lost passion in what they're doing i think the script was absolutely fantastic even though i i'm still i'm still ruminating about the ending and like what it kind of means in context of the rest of the film but the actual sequence of itself uh and if you've watched the film you know the bit i'm talking about it was such a semblance of joy it was so heartfelt i suppose and just and just enjoyable i don't know if this is in the trailer because as i said in previous episodes i avoid all trailers and posters and things like that but if you're looking at this film and you're expecting it to be like oh god another cautionary tale about alcoholism i'm gonna be so depressed there are points like that but i feel like there's enough heart in it in order for it to be compelling and you don't end up too downtrodden at the end of it i think is what i need to emphasize like you won't come out of it feeling depressed now the next film i'm going to be looking at uh is obviously another another alcoholic at the picture but this one is someone who is sort of in denial about his drinking dependency Good morning, Captain Whitaker. He's a manifest with 102 souls on board. Let's get him tucked in. We're ready to push. How you feeling, man? Look like you pulled some kind of move up there, man. You saved a lot of lives. We are in a dive. I have no control on my side. We going there? Everybody in brace positions. The way you landed that plane was nothing short of a miracle. I see nothing but houses! Evan, listen to me. Trim us nose down. Plane fell apart at 30,000 feet. <laughs> We're gonna roll it. What, okay? what do you mean, roll it? Ready? Here we go. The next film I'm looking at is Flight, which was released in 2012, uh, directed by Roma Zemeckis, who, if, if you don't know or know of the name, I'm not sure where. He did all the Back to the Future films, Forrest Gump, he directed Pilot Express, lots of Tom Hanks collaborations, I'm going to say. Oh, and the, I should say the film was written by John Gatins as well and has done uh, films like Kong, Skull Island, the recent Power Rangers film, so this film stars Denzel Washington. He's playing a pilot and you see at the beginning a plane that is basically doomed to fail and crash. But Denzel Washington's character pulls a miracle and manages to land the plane. However, in his blood report, it said that there's alcohol in his body and the whole film is him coming to terms with his alcohol dependency whilst also trying to make sure he doesn't get sent to prison. Up to the accident. This thing is so heavy it's killed me. Yeah. I drank the night before the flight. Does Whitaker know he's going to jail? My clients don't go to jail. It's a lie, Whit. It's a lie. Trying to save your life. Your life. We're gonna stop power. Wait for impact. No one could have landed that plane like I did. So this film had really fantastic moments in it. The whole plane sequence, like just in general, even though I knew because of the whole plot of it 
that the plane lands. It was one of the most tense sequences I have watched in a very long time. It was absolutely fantastic filmmaking and build-up of tension. And whilst, you know, there's always the really cheesy, oh, tell, tell my son I love him, or like, whatever. It was still brilliant pieces of filmmaking. However, after that, it gets really dreary. So what I was saying about another round is people expecting it to be depressing. This film ended up being dreary and depressing. And a lot of the female characters, I would say, were really not that relevant to the plot. Like they added these female characters hoping to, I don't know, have these strong, powerful women. And the only person I could really say that fit the quota was melissa leo as ellen block who's head of the investigation team that's looking into why the plane crashed but for example the 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 character that's played by kelly riley playing nicole like is it it does pass or it doesn't pass but you know the sexy lamp test like if you replace that character with a sexy lamp would it have any impact on the film and the answer is no it would have been the exact same film, except Denzel Washington getting a little bit too friendly with a lamp. Anyway, and also because they were trying to make these quote-unquote grounded female characters, the, the film ended up feeling very bloated. I think they could have very easily maybe cut half an hour off if they just removed the Nicole character altogether because also it's the thing of filmmakers or scriptwriters wanting to create, to quote rather blank, poverty porn. It was trying to be shocking it was trying to make you feel sorry for her but they didn't do really any more characterization apart from that and she basically after she's rescued by Denzel Washington's character she becomes this love interest that's a bit wet and doesn't actually have that much character in my opinion there were other female characters that kind of assumed we would feel connected with them but because of the way they're treated and or sexualized it doesn't really hit the mark I think that it wanted and so the film ended up feeling dreary depressing bloated and is a shame because there are some remarkable points in it that I think is really excellent filmmaking and crafting but it just left a bad taste in my mouth. Now, the last film we're looking at is a classic, a remake, uh, but not the most recent one, the, the second remake out of the three remakes of the original film. You got me? last film we're looking at this week is a star is born now this is the version released in 1954 there's one in 1937 there's the 1954 version there is the 1976 with barbara streisand and then there's the one in 2018 directed by bradley cooper no i'm talking about the one that stars judy garland from 1954 norman main who is played by james mason he discovers judy got well not judy garland the character that is played by judy garland and helps her achieve stardom but then as she becomes more of a star 
James Mason's character becomes less of a star and him sinking into alcoholism and a depression. And you'll know it when you experience the joy and jubilation of Judy Garland as the star. And you'll never forget James Mason as Norman Maine, clinging desperately to the only real love he'd ever known. It's a new world I see. A new world for me. This is a story of a little girl searching, searching, searching. For she knows somewhere is a someone who's a someone for her. Now, I already knew what was going to happen at the end of the film because people were talking about the remake and I accidentally got spoilers listening to podcasts about the remake. So I just kind of assumed what the ending would be. And I'm going to say, even though I expected it, it was still really heartbreaking uh, and I did nearly cry. And that is an achievement because I hardly ever cry at films. I'm a monster. I should say as well, this film is directed by George Cooker. And uh, when looking at the background behind the film, his treatment of Judy Garland and his female stars of films in general was really appalling. And I think Judy Garland went through a lot of trauma in the making of this film. So it's one of those things where we have to acknowledge that in order to move forward. But she gave one of the most brilliant performances I'd seen from a classic film. And James Mason as well. The chemistry, like it felt so believable, their relationship and their love for each other. Also, I really appreciated Charles Bickford's portrayal of Oliver Niles. He added, a, for want of a better word, of sombrerity and a groundedness for the alcoholism story. The only thing for me, because this film is three hours long, when I was doing some research for it, because there's bits where there's some stills or like pictures and they zoom in on pictures, but they still have audio. And I was just really confused as to why. So I was looking on IMDb and apparently the studios at the time were concerned about the runtime because they wanted to rerun it loads of times because more money and more tickets and whatever. And so they cut it into a shorter version, cutting off, I think, half an hour. And then in the 1980s, those scenes were put back in but they could only find the sound so they put sound over pictures and I've got to tell you this is the first time I think I've ever said this when it comes to studios meddling with directors work for once I'm going to say the studio was right there were moments in the first half because it's a film with an intermission there are scenes the first half you could tell the reason why those scenes were cut in the first place. And they're like, yeah, they add a little bit more detail to the ongoing or answers maybe a couple questions that didn't really need to be answered. But it distracted me. It took me out of it. If you're prepared to sit down for three hours and watch the epic tale that unfolds and be completely heartbroken by the end, I recommend it. It is such a lovely film with some fantastic musical numbers, of course. Now, those are all the films I watched this week. I enjoyed Another Round and A Star Is Born as equally as each other, but I think because Another Round is a newer film and I would like to recommend any newer films, I think I'm going to go with that, but A Star Is Born is really wonderful and some really great performances. I think out of all of them, Another Round is the one that's the most honest and yet you come out of it not feeling sad, which right now we don't need. <laughs> we don't need to feel more depressed, so I recommend Another Round. 
But thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And this show does have a Patreon. It's only £1 a month if you fancy supporting the show. And you can follow updates on the podcast on Instagram at Lights Carry Action. And you can follow my Twitter and Instagram at CarryMo97. But that is all for the time being. Take care and stay safe. <laughs>